holy crap, the Avs played well and won a game, and is, is that Dennis Everberg? Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackick! Wow! Good evening, I'm Steph Austin, you're to the My High Hockey Podcast for February 6th, 2017. Coming up on the show, waivers all around, a disastrous pair of games in Cali, and we'll talk some more about the goaltending situation, but before we play the whoosh, your disembodied voices are, as always, Earl06, hey Earl. Hey. And Ryan Murphy, what's up Ryan? Howdy ho. As come out of the all-star break with, well, even a whimper, it feels like it overstates it. On Tuesday, they drop a clunker 5-1 in Anaheim to the Ducks, and then on Wednesday, drop another clunker 5-0 in L.A. to the Kings. Miko Ranton and your only goal scorer on the trip, although it was a pretty awesome goal. Um, <laughs> this dog is just, like, scratching her back ever since I started. <laughs> and then on Saturday, and right before this recording, Avs win 4-2-5-2-5-2 over the Winnipeg Jets. Colorado dominated basically every measure here, and Pavlik wasn't great except for when he was, which helps. Goals came from Jerome McGinley, who was actually great in this one. Nathan McKinnon, Matt Nieto, and Carl Soderberg, and then the empty netter was Nieto again. It was a better game for Nikita Zadorov and a horrible showing for the officiating crew. I haven't gotten fired up about a game like that in ages, personally. How about you, Ryan? Um, yeah, I was heavily engaged <laughs> for the first time in, gosh, long time. Uh, the officiating made multiple bad calls tonight uh, on behalf of both teams, and I would prefer not seeing that during NHL hockey games. We deserve better. The uh, the head-scratchingest of all, of course, being when uh, Nikita Zadorov was, I will say, challenged to a fight after a clean hit, but what I really mean is jumped from behind without warning after a clean hit, and... Uh, Obviously, you don't really fight back when that happens. You're just kind of like, what's going on? And then you got penalized for fighting. <laughs> got penalized for receiving the act of fighting. <laughs> uh, that was confounding. I mean, we thought the penalty would be on the hit, but when they announced it was actually five minutes for fighting, I, I just couldn't believe it. He did get a charging minor too, though, right? Right. Oh, he did. Gotcha. Which couldn't make sense of any of it. on the initial hit. The ref's arm was down. Yeah, is that revisionist refing or what? It's exactly what it was. Yeah. It's all right. Well, you're really mad, so we have to make it look like you actually had something to be mad about. Mm-hmm. Right. Probably just as bad as the uh, non-penalty shot <laughs> uh, for Winnipeg after getting hooked by Golubev. Yeah, that was a great. A little too. later in the period. Uh, so you know, it worked both ways, and. You know, it didn't work for fans watching the game because it just was not correctly called. So this was the first game in several weeks where Jerome McGinley looked like he was actually engaged in the play. Yeah, you and think somebody told him he's getting traded? <laughs> I don't know, but it I think uh, he told the world he was getting traded. Right, and it it showed in all three zones for him. He was good everywhere. Right, which just makes you wonder so where this dude has been all season. <sighs> And since we know he was missing, do we know why he was missing? <laughs> I mean, is that due to lack of effort? Is that due to injury? Is that, you know, somehow figuring out how to play within the system? 
Do you think that having the A taken off his jersey had any effect on sort of his lack of giving a fuck lately? Uh, I don't know how much that means to players. Uh, I'm not sure it'd mean enough to me. <laughs> but well, I, I mean, um, I don't think that you know having the A or not having the A means a whole lot. But the fact that they took it away, mm-hmm. um, you know. Yeah, I mean, he, he knows he's a short-timer on the team and everything, but, you know, they, they took it off of him and gave it to Bosch, and that's sort of – I wrote this on the site this morning. It's sort of giving it from one mercenary to another rather than one of the core guys. Mm-hmm. So I, it, it, from, from what you hear, it sounds like the Iggy does a lot more helpful leadershiping than, than Bosch is, so I, I don't know how well that played. Yeah, it's it's really hard to speculate, uh, you know. But as the tenured guy, I guess uh, a lot of these recognitions, uh, you know, kind of come along with the territory. Uh, I mean, maybe he's just uh, done enough with the team to where he's not as interested anymore, or is not as offended by the gesture. There's no telling. I mean, it's, it's not. I don't think taking away an A is obviously nearly as important as taking away a C. Um, but that's that's mm-hmm. trying to get into players' heads that I've never spoken to in my life. So it's kind of tough to really imagine what kind of effect that might have. Mm-hmm. Unless you're at practice, unless you're in the locker room, you're not going to know that answer. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it even is. then, you still don't really know that answer. Right. You're still speculating. But I mean, I mean, do you think do you think his performance today is repeatable, or he just was feeling it, or what? Yeah, you know, <laughs> maybe Bender finally got the right line combination. Well, Kidding. I mean, that's but, been together for quite a while. I, mean. I know, being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I think there is a very good chance that it's been communicated to him that there may be some interest. Go and show something, you know, and. Let's uh, push this over the edge already. Let's get this trade done. Yeah, I mean, maybe after that Yahoo article, you know, he talked to Sackick, and Sackick's like, "Look, you, you know, you want to go somewhere? You want, you want options? You, you've got a few right now. You want more? Mm-hmm. You know, go for it, dude. You want to be on a good team? You got to play like a player yeah. that deserves to be on a good team. If you want to yeah. get traded, you got to be desirable. Go be desirable. Yeah, right." Right well, now you're looking uh, at Vancouver. <laughs> There's your motivation. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, if Sackix, you know, needs some tape to edit to show around the league, uh, this is the game you do it from. Yeah. This is by far the best game he's played this season. Yeah. I mean, it, it coincides well. It's, you know, the, the fact that he said he's open to a trade has been, you know, it's it's been in the media for the past couple of days, and then he goes and has a good game. So, well done. <laughs> so we've been talking for weeks now about the kind of steady linear development of one Nikita Zadorov, and today was his best game as an avalanche, I think, once again, which is not the first time we've said that this season, which I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it seems like he's keep he keeps raising the bar on what he's doing, and that's that's good to see. He was legally smoking everybody. Yeah, um, 
I, I guess uh, probably even better that we keep mentioning that he keeps having his best game is he's proving it in different ways too. Um, you know, taking more shots and really, really asserting himself <laughs> defensively. I mean, uh, I think players know when he's on the ice right now. So who is he paired with all day? And, and full disclosure to everybody, I didn't watch the game except for the last five minutes. And that, and that was not by choice. You're not. We're not pulling bad fans no. on you here. No. I, I had other commitments. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was on the ice mostly with Boschman, was he not? I honestly don't catch pairings that often. Um, I, I'll see, like, forward lines, but I won't pay t- much attention to defensive pairings until later. Um, l- let me, right. uh, I, I'll pull up Statrick and have a look for you, though. Was he on the yeah, right? House? Was he on the right or on the left, mainly? Gosh. I, kind of I mean, it seems ice. like everyone's really fluid there, especially with Barry out. With it, I mean, Beef was the only right-hander. Is is the new guy right-handed? He's left-handed. Yeah, so, I mean, you got five lefties and one righty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, Zadorov was playing the left side, from what I can tell. With Boschman, yes. His most common line yeah. for Boschman, Landeskog, McKinnon, and Rantanen. His second most common defensive partner was two minutes with Cody Golubov. <laughs> so he, he was a Boschman, and uh, they actually did pretty well together. Right. And nah. he personally did very well together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he when you know, uh, ice the puck. <laughs> when you see Boschman with eighteen shots forward, you know something else is going on. <laughs> That is uh, not like him. You know, five on five shots forward. He had 25 shots forward total. I mean, got quite a bit of uh, power play time. And including an assist to Jerome McGinla on his goal today. And uh, Jerome McGinla added an assist on Carl Soderberg's goal today, which that was a nice play by everybody. That was. That was Carl's first goal in 24 games. Basically, our point is um, if you have the ability to go back and, and watch games and you don't always watch games and this was one that you missed, this is one that actually will be worth your time to go go back and view for the first time in quite a while. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it was their first win at home since November 15th. So um, we mentioned new guy. That is uh, first name withheld. Barbario. What's his first name? Mark Barbario. Mark. Okay. He is defenseman claimed off waivers from Montreal, and uh, he had a little bit on both sides of the good stuff to bad stuff ratio, but I think more on the good stuff. <laughs> I think he was instantly probably the third best defenseman. <laughs> Uh, if not top two, probably. That's a low bar. I mean, he's got to be better than Boschman <laughs> and uh, Jelena and what? Bo- uh, probably Weirkosh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Although, I mean, Weirkosh isn't bad. No. Uh, had a primary assist today, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, Barbario has pretty much got bottom pairing time with uh, Golubev and I think he looked the part That's of the guy some guy Golibeth. that right 
But Barbario could play on this team in a top four situation currently and could easily play in a top six, you know, moving forward or, you know, a five or six role. I, I mean, he just pushes the play. He's kind of like left-handed, bigger Tyson Berry a little bit, uh, clearly not on that same level, but uh, this is a guy that's proven himself to be a guy that moves the puck out of the defensive zone and, I don't think that's entirely just from playing on a good Canadians team. And we also well, saw him another... tying up uh, skaters in the crease, too. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've got him for another year, so this isn't just sort of like, you know, getting Bodner Chuck for a couple of months. I mean, this is, this is something they were looking at as a longer-term deal. Oh, he's also visibly and statistically easily better than Bodner Chuck. Who is... <laughs> me but that's it <laughs> i'm the only one <laughs> uh yeah i mean barbario is also visually uh appears to be the reincarnation of everberg is he not <laughs> yeah the dude is number 45 and he has this long like thick and yet still somewhat greasy-ish hair coming out from under his hat <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> the, the first time I saw him on the ice, I thought, wait a minute. That's Dennis? not Everberg. <laughs> that can't possibly be Everberg. <laughs> and then I remember they yeah. were playing a new defenseman. I went, oh, okay. <clears throat> that dude looks like Everberg from the stance. Yeah. That's a hell of a flow. He's done rather well for himself <laughs> as far as growing hair. I know it's a small sample size of what I saw and everything, but I I liked what I saw before faceoffs. The, the couple of faceoffs I saw when he was out there, he's you know he's talking to the the forwards, he's talking to picks, you know, on the bench I saw him talking to guys. You know, I I, I think that's something that the Avs kind of lack when you know as the game goes on. Sometimes they just stop talking to each other and, and don't communicate on the ice or on the bench, and you know. I think they're so mad at each other after a certain point, too. It's better they don't talk to each other, but, you know. Having a mean if you're losing comfortable, you know, chattering it up is good to see. Right. Some guy who hasn't been, like, ground into the dirt for the last two months. Uh, It's probably a positive influence. That was part of what his his, uh, big quote was coming into the team, too, is that he wanted to bring energy and positivity, which I was like, hey, they need both those. (laughs) <laughs> indeed they do because those are two big steps on their way to my goal for the rest of the season which is I mean, you're not going to hurt your draft position too much if you win games but you don't want to win a lot of games so just be watchable yep I mean if they play 500 from here on in they're still not going to pass anybody yeah I mean they're 10 points behind Arizona who are 10 points behind Detroit for third worst yeah, so yep. <laughs> they're pretty much getting the highest odds in the draft order. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they need a top two pick. Uh, it's fairly imperative. So go yeah, lottery I mean, balls. I, I'd I'd be happy. You know, <clears throat> I I think the Avs could could be good going forward with any of the top four, maybe even top six or seven. Really. But, um, I didn't get to watch the prospects game. That's probably something that's happened this week. I mean, did you get to catch any of that at all? 
I did. Yeah. Um, it's, it's tough to, you know, glean a whole lot from it because it's basically an offensive show since they're playing like the simplest defense possible and the, and the D's aren't out there trying to kill everybody. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he sure looked really awesome. Um, Patrick looked competent, good. Um, Velarde looked uh, good. Yeah, I was going to say, who's uh, your surprise or who who's uh, of that group do you expect to jump into that top five conversation? Um, I, I mean, I think it's the same, you know, the, the top four guys are probably what everyone's thinking is sort of will will he sure pass Patrick is, is kind of the, you know, the one thing that, that people are wondering. I don't think he really can. It's the Taylor and Tyler think, conversation all over again. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a question of do you – I mean, you know Patrick is going to be good and, and he's going to be able to, to do something right away in the NHL. Uh, he sure looked like – I mean, he, he could be amazing, but he's not going to be amazing next year. Hmm. Well, that's uh... – Unfortunately, something that the Avalanche would need from a top draft pick. It's kind of a rough year for instant impact uh, players. Right. I mean, I don't. Th- I don't think that's that bad. I, I mean, you know, I mean, it, it, Patrick at his best is still not going to be, you know, like Mac or something like that. Obviously, I mean, right. He should be a good third line center. He might be able to move up to the second line at some point in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, which people will hold against him for his entire career if that's what he caps out as because he's a top two if not first overall pick mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> which if you make it to the nhl you've done pretty well for yourself and if you're like a good top six player i mean even the top nine player that's useful to any team but you know I, what people are gonna do they're oh, oh, oh his first overall pick is a third liner I don't know. You know. <laughs> true that's not his fault that his draft class is garbo <laughs> yeah but you know I, i've heard speculation too that even last year he'd probably still be a top five pick and yeah I, I he's think a that's really good true. player there, there's no yeah. there's no denying that he's a good player and i almost wonder too if he were to shift over to like a left wing position and focus more on scoring if he couldn't be better at that aspect i don't know he seems to really be a distributor so right. kind of, you know from from what little i've seen him play um, you know, I think center is probably where he should be. <clears throat> right. I haven't read a story where they put him on defense one year just because, you know, when he was younger and junior. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, you know, he's flexible and he's a good teammate by all accounts and you know, <coughs> comes from a long line of NHL players that uh, have also been pretty successful. I mean, I think he plays well. I'd I'll love to you. see him on this team. Say the Avs do get the first pick. I mean, you know, would, would you go for the safe pick with with Patrick, or would you go for for maybe the you know really higher ceiling? Yeah, really good upside with Fisher. I don't know. I, I mean, I almost think you almost always have to pick the higher upside. I would agree that high with in that. the draft. I would agree. I I don't know if you can play safe there. I think you need to kind of shoot for the moon. Fisher's got that kind of. I'm going to score. 65 70 points in the nhl type talent yeah there, but, there's I mean, nobody less likely to pan out than the safe pick <laughs> <laughs> well i mean 
but but he sure could come in and just you know his speed looks good against juniors and maybe it doesn't look that great in NHL. Maybe his moves don't work that great. I mean, you know, it's definitely a big chance he would be taking. But sure. if it did work out, I mean, you're you're just smiling about it. Well, I think we also have to maybe speculate a bit on what an avalanche hockey player looks like going forward, which we don't really know yet. I mean, for the Patrick Waugh years, that was a, a bigger hockey player. You know, somebody that was more physical and played the game a certain way. I mean, what do the Avalanche look like now? I mean, uh, maybe okay. it's a player like Heischer that's, you know, uh, quicker, faster, better at passing, you know, some better at receiving the puck. I, I could be all kinds of different things. Yeah, I mean, but you need some of that. You need some size. I mean, you don't want everybody being big and dumb, but, um, you know, it, I mean, what, what Z did today shows you that if you play a physical game against physical teams, you can actually prevail. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and I, I finally think looked to... up Heischer's, like, size the other day, and he ain't small either. I mean, he's like 6'1", 185. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, not a small hockey player. <laughs> yeah, it's like people saying that Dran is, is small. Right, who's six feet tall. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it's not like th- this is Joey Hishin. I mean, this guy's—he's got NHL size. I mean, he's eight, eighteen, and you know, figure add fifteen pounds to him, and he can take hits and, and be just fine out there. Sure. I mean, he's not going to be Nolan Patrick sized. I mean, that's a solid two hundred twenty pound hockey player. That's a—you're yeah. not going to have many guys in a draft that size ever. And it's not like he sure isn't a perimeter player either. I mean, he. He doesn't shy away from going to the net very hard and things like that. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, like everybody else says, it's a clear top two pick in the draft. Um, and that's pretty much your best options. Yeah. Everybody else is probably going to be a little bit of a disappointment compared to those two. So uh, get yourself a top two pick, Avalanche. Yeah. There's definitely more warts as you go down. I'm, um, one guy I looked, I was looking for is Nicholas Haig, who's a, a defenseman out of the OHL. And he would be probably my, you know, most coveted defensive player in the draft. And he's going to probably go somewhere and later on in the top 10, somewhere where hmm. the avalanche probably couldn't get a pick unless they right. did something really funky. Um, yeah. I mean, if they end up getting that third pick with the worst record, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them trade down, try to get another first. Yeah. That could be interesting. I mean, get like a seven, eighth and, you know, try to get something else in the 20 range. Yeah. But who has two picks? I mean, that's, I'd have to look that up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the avalanche might have two first round picks. If some trade occurs here in the near future, could be them. But I, you know, I also saw Cal foot playing, um, you know, he, he's, you know, he's, he's not offensively gifted, really. He's, he's a lot like his father. But, hmm. you know, if we could pick him up, and he's probably going to go in the teens somewhere, maybe. Right. Uh, you know, that would be a great place to, to, to find a pick somewhere. And that's probably a lot more likely than getting one that around 8 or 9 or 10. Mm-hmm. Well, if he's as good a skater yep. as his father, I'm down. Yeah. 
I mean, I'd, I'd shy away from that as something to, to really go for just because I don't know if there'd be more pressure on him or less or, I, you know, it, it would definitely be a weird situation coming to the same team that your dad played on. Yeah, it wasn't a problem for Paul Stasny in the beginning. But, uh, breaking news, breaking you know. news, breaking news. What? Uh, Nashville traded a fourth for Vernon Fiddler. <laughs> oh, bye. <laughs> Oh man! What are they hoping? Wait, to let's just there? start the show over. This is big. <laughs> <laughs> it's big. It's actually big because someone somewhere gave up a fourth for Vern Fiddler. Yeah. And what are uh, we trying to get rid of? Everything. There may be some uh, actual, you know, low a fourth round line picks. center is what you're trying to say here. There, there may be some low round picks that may actually come back to the Avalanche if other teams think like the Predators. But in the meantime, um, it has been interesting to watch the team try to add pieces off of the waiver wire um, between Matt Nieto and uh, Mark Barbario. Um, Frank Corrado is on waivers today. Uh, I'm not sure how opposed to that kind of pickup I would be, but Colorado <clears throat> will be on the top of the waiver wire for probably the rest of the season, considering how far behind everybody else they are. Um, so... I was kind of curious on what you guys' thoughts would be on abusing that position to always have first pick on guys that are probably better than players on your team. Well, uh, so far you're getting players like Matt Nieto, who has four goals in an avalanche uniform in 11 games, and you've got you know, Mark Barbario, who's probably gonna, really going to help your defense for the rest of the season. Uh, I'm a fan so far. I think they're, they've taken about as many as they can without, you know, let, letting a few go. You know, right. if, you, if you start trading guys for picks, that does open up some spots. But then again, we kind of want some guys from San Antonio to to come up and, and show stuff too. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, you also kind of have to do those roster gymnastics where you're deciding things that are going to happen for the expansion draft. I mean, some of these guys are players you might just get to expose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but all right, you know, it looks like Barbaria is a good pickup, but now... Through one game. Well, I mean, just sort of looking at what he brings to the team as far as you can expose him to the expansion draft, he's signed for next year, and yada, yada, yada. You know, that's... Right. There's there's several reasons why that, that was a smart pickup. But... You know, now what do you do with Jelena? You put him on waivers. Nobody wants him again. Um, he absolutely should not go to San Antonio. Hmm. And now he's just clogging up the roster once uh, EJ comes back, Barry comes back. Well, what's nice about him having already gone through waivers at the beginning of February is we've got until the deadline to trade him to a team who could then assign him to the AHL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's cleared waivers. Right. But- I mean, they could have had him for free. Why would they trade anything for him? Um, I I don't know what to tell you. I think they were really hoping someone, you know, because there were a few teams interested in him at the deadline last year. But since the Avs traded for him, he's had one assist in 30, now 33 games. Oh, he's got John Mitchell Ah. disease. High rates. You can't find a point. Well, did you guys uh, read the news today that Joe Sackick was in Miami watching the uh, Florida Anaheim game? Yeah. 
I mean, uh, what do you make of that? I don't know. I don't put a. There's so many reasons he could have been there that, you know, you never know. What team yeah. was he looking at? Right. <laughs> um, was was he not looking at one of the two teams, but he was meeting with someone from another team, and it just happened to be at the Panthers game? I don't know. Yeah, there really are a lot of reasons. I don't think that means that the Avalanche are trading for Cam Fowler, though. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, what it, you know, all it says to me is yes that that, that Joe is trying to do things, and you know that's that's a good reassurance to have, right. I don't know if that means more or means anything at all that he's uh, taking care of these trips personally and it's not, you know, a scout or a representative. Well, I'm sure they're, you know, I'm sure the whole pro scouting development, yada, yada. I mean, everybody is out looking at people, you know, uh, I'm sure all four pro scouts are at games every night. I'm sure McFarlane goes to a game here and there. Joe goes to games. I mean, you know. There's there's a lot to do. Yeah, I, not much time to do it. I, every single year, these little lists of who's at what game come up, and I'm just, every media member is just like reporting it for every single game, and it, I I have no time for it. I'm like I, that's their job. Their job is to watch games. <laughs> right, and they're also scouting, you know, advanced scouting for matchups in the future. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Granted, the Avalanche have played the Ducks uh, more than a few times recently, but, uh, you know. They don't play them again. They don't play them again. <laughs> yeah. Or it's, you know, you had Claude Noel uh, following around the Rampage and the Avs for most of last spring, and then you end up with a third for Jell on a deal. I mean. Right. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> they're not always looking for the blockbuster. <laughs> right. Sometimes you're getting Eric Jell um, speaking of the Panthers, their uh, their owner will be staying with them it's instead of joining the uh, the new White House administration. He kind of backed out of that Secretary of the Army appointment, citing <laughs> difficulties divesting from his business. So, the Florida Panthers huh, do not lose Vinny Viola. Good for them. So, yes. um, to, to bring it back to waivers. Um, what what does this say about the team's future use of Duncan Siemens? Because I don't see any coming. I, I mean, someone someone has to go for anyone to move up. So, um, I mean, they were probably hoping to get rid of Jelena. They, they might still. I'm sure they're trying to get Tootin healthy for the last couple of weeks before the trade deadline and, and get rid of him. It really seems like the rumors about Boschman might pay off. Um, you know, I mean, there there could be a lot of defensemen moving. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if they were calling everybody else up and not Duncan, I'd say, well, that 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 looks kind of bad for you, kid. But um, they haven't called any defensemen up. Yeah, I don't know if we can uh, call this waiver claim a you know an immediate term thing. I think that it's got longer term implications, and uh, the shorter term stuff is going to come to a head here pretty quickly once players start moving. I think the Avalanche are going to do everything they possibly can to get rid of a couple of these guys. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm hoping it works because as is now, they've got let's see one, two, three, four. Um, four or five 
at the NHL level, defenders who are either third-pairing guys or worse. <laughs> it makes it sound like they need some defense. <laughs> it, it's, 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 well, they need a little bit of everything. It's, it's kind of hard to bring up some, somebody like Duncan Siemens, who isn't in the last year of his contract and who has never really had a decent shot to see what he can do at the NHL level. It, it's going to be hard to actually properly evaluate him in what is a lost season. You've got nothing better to do. Yeah. With all this glut in the way. They're not technically eliminated from the playoffs yet. <clears throat> Again, I, I don't know. I mean, it just, there's an anticipation for our, for what may or may not happen in the next few weeks. And, and I think, I think we're all just dying to find out what they really are planning for the last 20 games of the season. You know, are they planning to bring up a bunch of guys from the AHL? Are they planning just to leave most of them down there? Maybe bring one up at a time, two up at a time, maybe and swap them all out, you know, take a look at eight or nine guys. Like kind of like mm-hmm. they did in like December ish. Yeah. Um, you know, are they going to start, would they bring up, you know, Boykov or a Lindholm maybe that they've sort of developed themselves into maybe getting a shot at, at look, a look in the NHL? Um, you know, is, is Julian Nantel going to get himself into a situation where he might get a look later on in the year? Um, you know, it, it's it'll be interesting whether they, they plan to call some guys up and just call it good. Like, all right, we'll, we'll call these guys up and – and we want them on our third and fourth lines for the rest of the year. Are they going to rotate through a bunch of people and, and really get a feel for who can bring what next uh, fall? All that stuff is believable because it's about the forwards. Where, yeah. I mean, they, they don't have four or five dudes just sitting between the AHL and NHL level. Yeah. Tweeners are fine. I don't know. Lots of tweeners are a problem. Yeah. Yeah, right now the uh, the hesitation on the team is frustrating for a lot of people. I think watching the organization, I I just want the the ball to drop. Same, and and I really think what a lot of people have been expecting is that guys like Boschman will be um, sent along their way, or maybe a healthy Tootin, um, even even a Weirkosh, something like that. And then you've got the spot on your defense open up for someone like a Bigar or a Siemens. I know that. Earl will quickly jump in to say that Bigro's not ready, but somebody like that. I mean, Bigro will be, he he definitely could be ready by the time, you know, a a call-up is needed. But that Um, that call-up could be needed sooner if they weren't filling that spot with waiver claims. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, it's... But but you can't just rely on one thing to to build your team for next season. I mean, um, you know, you, if if someone like Barbario is someone that you actually want on your team next year, and the opportunity presents itself to get him for free, um, you know, he's got a, a lots of NHL experience, whereas anyone in the AHL does not. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a totally different kind of player. Yeah. He's not getting paid a lot either. And if that ends up being your 6-7 guy for next year, then I think the Avalanche have improved themselves. So speaking of tweeners between the NHL and the AHL, Spencer Martin's still the backup. Um, <laughs> are, are, how do we feel about this decision? Because mm. I, I don't know how much I like it. I don't... I, I'm... I mean... 
you, you look at the last game he played and he had a horrendous first period. Then he looked like he really started getting it together for the, the next two. Obviously the Kings backed off and then, you know, they weren't, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say they weren't trying as hard to score. It was garbage time but, after, after not very long. Yeah, it was definitely score effect time. Um, you know, I, I'm really not a fan of him getting shellacked constantly. Um, but I'm also not a fan of using assets if you can help it for the goalie position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like with you know with the rumor that the Red O'Bear was going to Switzerland and, and quitting the the AHL. You know, something like that. If you could just sign a guy like that, I'd consider mm-hmm. it. Or if you want to bring up Jeremy Smith, who you already have. That's the guy right. that I'm talking about because I, I was told that's what Jeremy Smith was here for. Yeah, I, I you know I'd be fine with swapping back and forth between Smitty and, and Spencer for the rest of the season. Because right. uh, I'm uh, you know not fine clearly with letting Martin get schlacked, but I'm less fine with him sitting on the bench all the time. Yeah, um, I'd rather he play in the AHL, and since the Avalanche are not trying to win games, you bring up Jeremy Smith. Well, I mean, I I think they are. I, I, you know, there's a fine line between not trying to win games and not trying to be embarrassed. Right. Um, you know, it's it's one thing to lose three to two. It's another thing to lose five to two. And I, you know, I'd, I'd really think they'd rather lose five to, you know, three to two if they can help it. Mm-hmm. And if, if Spencer's going to get shellacked for five goals pretty constantly, and I just, I can't imagine he's he's learning a ton from those kinds of experiences. Um, but maybe, you know, he could pull it together and he could really start playing well. I mean, it's... And he did play well his first game. Yeah. It's just hard to mm-hmm. imagine him learning a whole lot from this experience other than that he's not ready and how not ready he is. Not just yeah. that. The team's not ready for a guy like that. that I, mean, it's just, I mean, they're, they're I, getting owned every night of, apart from this game today against Winnipeg, but you, you don't bring in a guy who's probably not quite ready for the NHL yet behind the worst team in the NHL in years. Yeah, I remember that. I remember his first game, and, and he, it was at one point you're just sort of looking at him, and he's sort of looking around like, "All right, this is what Picks and Varley were talking about." <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> and it, you know, and it, it, and that happens at the AHL level, so it's not like you know, it's not something he's totally not used to, but you know, this is sort of the ultimate test for him, and. Yeah, you know, and I, just, I don't want to see his confidence get blown at age 21. It can happen at the AHL level, but that's AHL shooters. Yeah, and you learn from it down there. NHL shooters are better. Yeah. Like, Patrick Marlowe is a pretty good shooter. Uh-huh. He was definitely <laughs> on that night. <laughs> and again, claps for him for hitting 500 goals. That's uh, I've, I've generally it, been in Team Marlowe, and... He's hit a nice little milestone for himself. Yeah, it might be the last. Played the Avalanche more often. You probably have even more. He would have four a game, apparently. Um, <laughs> four in a period. <laughs> but if if they're not going to use Spencer Martin, then he's wasting his time up here. And if they are going to use Spencer Martin, I'm not sure that's the most effective way to develop the guy. Yeah, if he and, and Calvin are going to alternate starts, which I don't think is good for Calvin. And probably not good for for Spencer. Uh, 
you know, that, that might justify it. If he's going to play like 15, 16 games for the rest of the year, that might justify it. But again, I'd, I'd much rather see him play more at the AHL level and really take what he's learned at the NHL and bring it down there. Um, and maybe come back, you know, in early March and then go back down and come back in early April, that kind of thing. I mean, you know, I, I think a good way to, to learn from your NHL experience is go back to the AHL, take what you've learned, put it out there, go back up to the NHL, get shellacked some more in a different way, and then learn from that, you know. <laughs> but that's that's how you become an NHLer is gradually. Right. And I, I would like to see him get one more game before they send him back down since they still have him. But, like... As I look at the schedule coming up, I don't know which game I would want that to be, because Tuesday is Montreal, and Thursday is Pittsburgh, and then Saturday is the Rangers, and then Sunday you have the Islanders, but that's back-to-back with travel. I say with travel, uh-huh. it's New York to New York. Still back-to-back. Yeah. Gotta cross a bridge. They'll probably stay <laughs> in the same hotel. Anyway, it's like it's it's another week plus before you see another game where you're like, yeah, that that's not a strong opponent. So and Picks is actually he's played strong against Pittsburgh usually. So and and he's been playing better in the last few games. The, I mean, the, yeah. the team in, around him has been a disaster. So anyway. Um, I wanted to make sure I wasn't alone on that thinking, and it sounds like I'm kind of not. <laughs> no, I, I don't think you are at all. I, I, you know, nobody wants to see what happened to him the other night happen regularly. Not good for the average fan, and uh, I, I'm glad they finally pulled out a home, home win. I mean, those right. poor people buying tickets and going to games just needed something. Right. It's just not fair. So don't win Avalanche all your games because you should at this point, but (laughs) make sure, (laughs) make sure you're being competitive, make sure you're being entertaining and make sure you're hanging in there pretty closely. If they win all the home games and lose all the road games, that'd probably be fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, before we look ahead, um, we'll, we'll take a pit stop for, uh, Stars and scratches here. Um, num- number one on the plus side for me being Nikita Zadorov. I'll second that. Yep, third. Uh, destroying fools, taking more shots. Uh, this is what we wanted to see. Keep hyping his development. It's nice to see that uh, payoff for us. Mm hmm. What else we got? Uh. I don't know. I missed today's game, so I'm not going to have too many stars. There aren't weren't any stars, I don't believe, uh, save for maybe Rantanen in those first two games. Uh, he was the lone shining spot in those games against Anaheim and L.A. Yeah, he's even been falling um, down less, have you noticed? <laughs> no, but... <laughs> he's been falling down less. Still no longer Bambi on ice. Oh, he's still not like an incredible skater, like an incredibly strong skater right now, but he's been randomly falling less. I almost wonder if some of that has been like throughout the season, him 
learning the NHL speed and learning that he doesn't have to do everything. Like, maybe he was trying to do too much and just, like, pushing it farther than he could push it. Could be some truth to that. Yeah. It's all speculation, though. Right. I, w- I could toss an honorable nod to uh, to Pickard. He's been okay. I, or maybe even to Nieto, who's also been okay. Was yeah, those are the yeah. two guys I, I were thinking about. I mean, I were thinking about. That's nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wishful <clears throat> But I, I think Pickard has been playing noticeably better lately. Um, I, yes. I don't know if it's just sort of the realization that yes, Varley is gone, and you are the man, and he's <laughs> you know sort of taking that and going with it. Um, it's got to you know it must have been tough for him you know playing through seven games in a row and, and not knowing if Varley's coming back and not knowing if anyone is competent to back him up and maybe he'd have to start every game for the rest of the year and get shelled five nothing every game. I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's probably in a much better place than he was a few weeks ago. Yeah, I, I might give like an off ice star to Nathan McKinnon, who I think has maturely answered a lot of tough questions this week. Um, you know, interviews for national media and local. Um, he's brutally honest, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that. And some of the things that he that he's been saying, like at the All Star events and stuff too, were like just made me think. I can easily see how this guy had a toxic blow up that got him benched <laughs> for ten minutes. <laughs> like he n- just doesn't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> he's gonna go out there and try to score some goals, and that's all there is to it. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. it's why sugarcoat it at this point? It, yeah. You know. It's... <laughs> Uh, but I almost think it's sort of affirming that, you know, Avalanche fans could hear what they highly suspect is that all the trade rumors have been really, really tough on some of these guys. Right. I mean, we're still talking about like young men who've, you know, recently bought houses and have young families and, you know, uh, that's just brutal. I mean, yeah. especially for a guy like Matt Duchesne, who would rather be nowhere else in the NHL than in Colorado succeeding. And uh, it's heartbreaking to watch. <laughs> I, I think he would feel that way until he spent half a year in Nashville. <laughs> or two and a half years true. in Carolina. I, I, I think he would be super happy in Nashville. Not that I want him to go there. That's in division. Don't you fucking do it. <laughs> That's why Carolina's perfect. There's probably more country music in Raleigh than there is in Nashville, to be honest. Hmm. Uh, bust out the cowboy boots more often. But then, yep. you, live, but then you live in North Carolina. <laughs> we muddle through. It's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. I also want to give uh, McKinnon props for his ugly goal today, which I was pretty impressed with. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, I cannot recall the last time I saw him score an ugly goal. Today. I mean, well, he did today. <laughs> It, it wasn't a breakaway. It wasn't a great shot. It was uh, tough work in front of the net. And uh, I guess he needs more of those because he should be scoring about one a week. You know, on top of all the other highlight reel goals, you should be scoring as well. I'd say at least one a week would be good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, just being in the right place at the right time kind of goal. I mean, that's good goal scorers. Half of them are just being where you need to be and being opportunistic. You're not having to create the entire chance. 
I'll go with that. I mean, it's it's been a tough season for him. If, if he can start putting things like that in, then, you know, maybe he can make something out of the last 30 games. Right. I mean, he still only has 12 goals on the year. That is just so hard to believe. That's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> just watching him play, it just doesn't correlate in my mind. It doesn't line up at all. So, downside. <laughs> Where do we start? Yep. Give me Francois. He's going to be the permalist here, I think. But, um,. Where the hell is Carl Soderberg, uh, except for his goal today? I mean, that guy has just completely lost it, and I've got no solutions. I, I just, I, I don't think, I don't think he's happy in his role, and I don't think his role complements the team. Um, you know, that's just that's something you you hope gets better with different personnel around him, and and they can make three lines that can do something. Right, because, I mean, with that contract, he's going to be tough to move. I've just, I just, I don't know if there's, that's got to be at least one of my top disappointments for the year. Yep. Um, especially after being so pleasantly surprised last year. It's just been a long way to fall. Yep. So, do we, do we have a third? Settle on a third is probably the way to put that. Uh. uh. Gee. You can only single any in there, I guess. <laughs> I, feel like can, I, I feel like you can have some evergreen um, names here, like Colborne or guys like that. Colborne's actually good for the past couple of games, though. I, he needs to produce something. Yeah, but at least he's playing now. Mm-hmm. Like, he's playing way over 10 minutes now. <laughs> Dream big. <laughs> it is something. Yeah, I've been a little bit uh, irritated with Cody Golubev again this week. Yeah, just a little bit. Penalties are a problem. Yeah. Although the, the non penalty shot penalty, you, you got to take that penalty. I'm okay with that. Right. But the other no scruples with that one. I mean, he's you know he's playing over his head, so I you know I can't blame him for that. But he, you know he he looks good occasionally, but. You know, there are those times when it just something goes horribly wrong, and it, he just looks lost. Yeah, he's he's had several games where he's looked okay, and then he's had a few games where he's not looked okay, and I think it's been much more of the latter this week. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's fine. But you know, he's also remained healthy, which is more than we can say for a couple of uh, defensemen on the Avalanche currently. Um, Tyson Berry is not healthy, and neither is Feder Tutin. True. Hence, a waved player is still playing. Hi, Eric Jelena. <laughs> Any other team in the NHL, are they waving somebody and starting them the next night? No. This team does that more than <laughs> once. I know. Hi, John oh, Mitchell. It's, uh... Yeah. Right, you, or even just... two guys you've waved, one of them twice, and between them they have two points. Right. Gee, uh, and didn't we do with Nate Gannon last year, too? Yep. Uh, they never played him after he got waived. He stayed okay. with the big team for a while, though. Yeah, he stayed yeah. up, but he didn't play. Yeah. Well, one day we'll have a good defense. We'll remember times like these, and 
laugh about it, right? Oh, Bob McKenzie says people are calling on John Mitchell, so. What huh. the? <laughs> um, I highly doubt because I'm sure the first phone call, Joe's like, yep, wrap it up. Okay, done. <laughs> I wonder if Joe put Wait. that murmur out there. I've been, I've Bob, been, do I've, me a solid. Hey, so who, who they've been calling on, Joe? Um, you know, John Mitchell? Uh, really? I've, yeah, I know. It's hard to believe. But um, we're starting to, just, to move on a little bit in length here. Uh, so shout out. Uh, this is completely related to John Mitchell. Shout out to A.J. Greer, who has very close to the hardest shot in the, at the AHL All-Star game. Yeah, 99. 9.2 miles an hour. I didn't see that coming. Um, I mean, I never. I don't think I've ever seen him take a slap shot either. So that's that's kind of cool to know he's got that in the in the golf bag. Uh, he's he's generally right in front of the goalie on power plays. Maybe they should put him out at the point once in a while. <laughs> Does he pass well enough to head out of the position like yeah, that? Yeah, he's a good passer. Um, but, I mean, it's just he's so good in front of the net, you just don't think of putting him someplace else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you all okay. caught it, but you know, he, he had a he had a goal a couple games ago where he did a – he caught the puck on one side of the net, did a spin move in the crease, and then put it past Jack Campbell. That was pretty, man. I saw the, the gif of that. That was yeah. absurd. Yeah. And you're just like – Those are better hands than I thought he had. Yeah. And it's like you know now I you know that that's that's why you don't know that he has a, a slap shot that's ninety nine point two miles an hour because uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know when you can do that right next to the net you're not going to be too far from it if the the puck's in the offensive zone. I am very much looking forward to him do that with the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, hopefully sooner rather than later. And uh, I'll also give a shout out to. Rocco Grimaldi, who is the CCM AHL Player of the Week last week. Whoa! He had three goals. Rocco. And, yeah, three goals and an assist, and he uh, he now has eight goals in his last eight games with, for the Rampage. It's a good pace. Yeah, and I'll eat a little crow because I I thought that the line that they moved him to with Felix Gerard and Gabe Bork was just going to be a, a grind fest and Rocco skating around with a puck in this endlessly, but they're really producing. And, uh, well, Gerard's been good too. Yeah. Uh, um, he, he's so not, far, looks like a great pickup. Yeah. He's not a finisher, but if, if you have a finisher like Rocco on his line, he can make some nice passes. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's working out really nice. And, you know, it, it sort of gives the line, it gives the rampage three lines that can score, which is something they've been kind of hunting for. <laughs> can uh, we give the avalanche that at some point, please? Yeah, yes, that'd be please. nice. I agree. Maybe even just two lines that can score. That'd be yeah. great. So it's, it's it's almost four lines that can score because Julian Nantel, who's mainly on the fourth line, he scored the game winner last night. So. It's it's starting to it's starting to work. Yeah. Hopefully it'll work at the NHL level next year. Yeah, I don't see why it wouldn't. <coughs> um, we'll, we'll we'll go with that. So um, <laughs> trade deadline is coming up very soon. <laughs> 
And so yes, my, please. Uh, my, my question, and these will be short lists, I'm sure, so it's all right that we don't have just a whole lot of time for this, is who do you want to see survive the trade deadline? As far as guys that, that you think will be here anyway or guys that they're going to try to trade but, but won't get traded? I don't care. Uh, I don't. I mean, they could trade anyone besides Mac, Miko, and Z, and I, I think I'd be fine. Yeah, I. I again, and, I think I mentioned this obviously, last but he week, but hurt. So, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to see Landis Gog and Duchesne go. I mean, I, I really, really don't. I'd love to see those players succeed in Colorado just because I, you know, maybe irrationally like them a lot. I like watching them play. I like them as human beings. I want to see that work out here. And I don't think the Avalanche are too or far enough off to where you have to sell off 26 and 24 year old assets, you know, to get younger. I think this team could be good in two years, you know, with the players that are coming up. I just don't see this defense being any kind of good next year if they don't trade someone like that for a really good defenseman. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it, it, and I, I mean, you know, that that it, it may just be that you know if they do hang on and don't trade someone big, that the rising tide lifts all boats and they end up being competitive without having more than three NHL defensemen. But you know, I'd much rather have four really strong defensemen. And lose one of the forwards. See, I'm on the rising tides kind of way of thinking there, where if the depth forwards aren't atrocious, then you actually get some secondary scoring, and sometimes you have to defend those guys, and your top scorers can score even more. Because as you look at the way the team is now, if you trade Duchesne, who's going to score goals for you? <laughs> it, sure. I mean, you're, you're already having to hold, <clears throat> hold a team to one goal most nights to win a game. Like You can't rely on the imaginary awesome right now, I don't think. Plus, we don't need the Avalanche defense to necessarily be good in order for this team to be successful. I, I think they need to be adequate. I mean, that would just be such a, a monumental leap just to go from where they are now to being adequate. Which, yeah, I mean, with a healthy Eric Johnson, with the Nikita Zadorov another year in the league, older, uh, I mean, I think the existing pieces in the organization probably could pull that off. I mean, if, all right, if the four, five, six defensemen that, that are in the lineup on opening day next year are, are guys that can play competent defense and can get the puck out of the zone and not ice it every time, you know, th- then, all right, that that's, you know, that could offset that. But, you know, EJ gets hurt and maybe you only have one or two of your four, five, six that can play competent defense, and then where are you? Yep. You know, and the other thing I might mention too is that maybe the system, you know, another uh, an off season with an off season just uh, starts lifting some of these boats too. I mean, uh, get players that play faster, skate better, and end up working better in a system, then uh, that might be the difference right there in itself. Yeah, I mean the. The Jackets really didn't change much as far as personnel over the summer, but the fact that Tortorella had a full training camp in the summer to you know sort of get with everybody and, and get them on board with the system, I think that you know kind of really jacked them up big time. And maybe mm-hmm. that's that's the same kind of thing that can happen over this this summer for the Avalanche. 
Yeah, I mean, that seems such an interesting example, too. I mean, do we think that the Avalanche need to make a Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones-type trade? I mean, is that why the Blue Jackets are successful? I mean, Seth Jones is pretty good this year. Yeah, yeah. but would they have been worse or better, you know, for having kept Johansson? Yeah, I think they would have. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's different than what's going to happen, you know, if the Avs trade Duchesne or, or Landeskog for defense. I, I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a different situation, too. I mean, because Columbus had who, – who was on their blue line? Was Newski and Jack Johnson and – Savard. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got – Seth Jones is a game changer for them. Yeah, it's like Jack Johnson is on their third pairing now. I mean, it's that that's that's what you know having another big D like that is done. It's just it's it's made it such that Jack Johnson is not your number one guy. If if Colorado's current defense was more comparable to the Matt Hunwick era or the Greg Zanin era, then yeah, I would not be anti-trade Duchesne for defense. But I really think this is the best defensive core the Avalanche have had in a while, and. Getting rid of Boschman would help even more, and seeing Tutin's contract expire is going to help. I mean, it's – I don't know how yeah, much trade help they really need, and it's definitely not at the trade Duchesne level. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I think it's going to be really interesting if they do trade Boschman and, and Tutin, you know, what, what the defense looks like going down the stretch. I mean, if they Yeah, said, I think that's why it's hard for us to make determinations because yeah. we just can't picture it yet. Yep. That's, you know – yeah, the, where Boschman plays or if he's bought out for next season makes a huge difference in this conversation. For me, at least. Yep. I just uh, I wonder if you kind of hold out for a couple of years. You don't get some really solid contributions from players already in the system. You know, like a player like Nicholas Malosh that you know might turn into a bottom pairing guy in less than two years. Yeah, he was I mean, plus six last night. Damn. Plus six? Plus minus yeah. sucks, but damn. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> if it's they a want, big number, then it gets your attention. Yeah. It's team one thirteen to two. Aha. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and anytime someone wants to hate on plus minus, which I want to hate on plus minus, I yeah. always have to mention that you never forget that Brett Levda was minus three in a nine to three win. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, so here's a good question. Uh, did he score any points? He had a couple of assists. Six? I, I, I checked okay. when he was 11-2. He might have gotten more, but he had two assists. <laughs> he should have had one assist. From what I hear, he should have had another, but they weren't giving secondary assists after, like, 6-1. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, shout-out to Milosh. Hopefully he can uh, bring the Avs some 13-2 wins, too, with his aura of infinite victories. Um, who are maybe some names that are not core guys that you would like to see stick around with the team next year? Nieto for sure. I think that one's an obvious. Yeah, he's he's been a yeah stole that from me. So who who else can we come up with? Do you think? Is there anybody? Uh, I, I think no. Weirkosh has more potential than what he's shown this year. I don't um, think Weirkosh has been that bad. I'm just saying is. is as far as I think he'll play more and look better on a consistent basis. I would not oppose re-signing him. I think he could be on this team as a bottom pairing guy. 
this depends on whether he opposes re-signing, like whether he likes Denver enough to uh, come back after this team. It's true. Um, it's a rather difficult place to play hockey. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, I don't if he know, has I mean, requested a trade by now, he's pretty much on board with sticking around. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know that he sought this team out intentionally in UFA, and some of that mm-hmm. has to do, or it has to be because he likes Denver. It's not like the team's been yeah. outstanding. Or, he, or that he wanted to play for Patrick Watt. Oops. <laughs> but if that's what it was... Maybe he thought the avalanche would be good. Sooner. I think as frustrating as Grigoranko is, I, I'd like to give him another year. He played pretty good today. He had, uh, he had a good defensive game today. As much as I've been on the Grigoranko train, I think that it's basically left station for me at this point. So I, just, I, I still think that what he can bring as, as a third-line center should be something that they should look at down the stretch and, and, and just there. And maybe his line mates has been too much of a, of a tank for him to accomplish a whole lot. Like maybe if he's on a line with Nieto and A.J. Greer, he looks like a whole different player. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, you saw him kind of bumbling passes and stuff a little early in the game today, and I just think that he's playing on a line that – played at a pace that he's not used to. I I don't know. I, I'm not ready to give up on him either. I'm in your camp, Earl. Yeah, I mean, it, you I know, mean the, the, the talent's there. It's, you know, what, what are you going to find that's better as far as the depth guy? You know, you're probably not For the price him. that you're going to be able to get him for, yeah. which cannot be much at this point. Yeah. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, like if, if they move on from Gregorenko, I would not be upset. And if they hung yeah. on to Gregorenko, I, would all, I wouldn't be like, oh, God, why are you spending more time on this bum? I'm, like, yeah. I'm kind of in the middle ground there. I've kind of I've wavered from, from being on the train to kind of watching it. Yeah. yeah. I'm not over the guy. I'm there too, but it's just, I, you know, I don't, I don't see what you're going to get that's going to be a whole lot better as far as depth, you know. I think he's pretty replaceable, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody else, I am pretty much fine with being shopped for futures of any kind. I mean, I'd still love to see like a Blake Como trade, not because I hate the player, but because I think you could get a decent draft pick for him or a decent young player. Mm-hmm. And clearly, if we're given like fourth round picks to for players like Fiddler, I think you could probably get like a third or a second for Como. Yeah, I, th- I think Como is maybe the, be- the best tradable asset the Avs have in terms of guys that we wouldn't mind getting rid of. Mm-hmm. Uncle Bobby also mentioned Martinson as, as somebody calling about, too. I mean, that's, you know, which Interesting. is shocking, I guess. But, um, I, you know, I, I think what he brings is something you, you got to have a little bit of. I think you can get it a, a lot easier ways, but, um, you know, if he sticks around, I, I won't cry about it, but if they trade him for... You know, if they get a fourth or a fifth or a sixth or something, I mean, you may as well do that. I just feel like that has sure. to be a name that's surfacing in some kind of package. There's no way it's that someone's looking for that just for Andreas Martinson. Yeah, that's kind of like a roster balance type thing. Like, yeah. you know, I need to send two guys back to you because of money, and you need to send somebody back just to, you know, create roster space for us. Exactly. You know, like, something. Like maybe that's something where it's like, I mean, maybe if we make this trade, then I also add someone who's well overpaid, like Mike Ribeiro, who's been waived. And, uh, well, for that, we've got to open up a spot on the roster to stick him in, so Martinson is pretty cheap. That should make the money work out. 
So, I mean, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yep. I don't know. Well, I, again, I'm, I'm not terribly attached to a whole lot of players on this current team, but I, I am perhaps irrationally to Landis Cog and Duchesne. Um, I just think I'd like to see Cog those guys is, stick around. I think Landis Cog is tough to replace. He, he is a very good player in the neutral zone. Yeah. He's, there, there's no one like him on the team. <clears throat> um, you know, you, you can make a case that, that someone like Greer brings some of, some similar things. But we need more of those similar things, not <laughs> equal yeah. amounts. Yeah. I mean, I mean we need yeah, both of those yeah. players on the ice. I agree. I, I don't want an all-grit 60 team, but you do need some grit. Right. Grit with skill like Landis Gog and Greer. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, 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 I see that less as grit and more as try-hard skill. Because, I mean, you've got this, like, smooth, awesome skill that is just from finesse, and then you've got skill that's working its ass off to, to be successful. Which isn't to say that someone like McKinnon isn't working his ass off. It's just, like, it's a different kind of skill set. Yep. I regret oh, my I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I just I need to see more players like Landis Gog on the team, and you can't increase your amount of Landis Gog type players by getting rid of one. So should we look ahead at next week? Let's do it. Let's look ahead. On Tuesday, the Montreal Canadiens take on the Avs at seven o'clock. It's a home game, and then on Thursday, the Pittsburgh Penguins are the same thing. Both of those games are on mm-hmm. altitude, and that's the quietest this dog has been through this read through. So we're keeping it. <laughs> then on Saturday. <laughs> We start a road trip through the NHL on NBC Division against the New York Rangers. 5 o'clock mountain on altitude 2. The Ocho. <laughs> Beck, please stop this. And then on Sunday, 4 o'clock mountain against the Islanders. <laughs> I am done reading through this garbage. So, are we talking 8 points or what? Yeah. I think uh, Mark Barbario... Scores a hat trick against his old team, and, and we win three to one. I think you mean Dennis Everberg. <laughs> After that, I don't know. Maybe we get a puncher's chance against the Pens because Pickard sometimes plays well against them. I don't know. Oof. I've got a rational exuberance after a win. <laughs> Indeed. I have a hard time predicting a Montreal win just because I have really terrifying memories of, you know, the six goal first period. Yeah, I mean, I think motivation, though. Um, I I ended up watching them play the, uh, who was it, the Flyers the other night. And, I mean, they couldn't do anything. They lost two to one. So they play like that. We can do that. All right. I don't think the Islanders are very good. Yeah, no. I think I could predict a win there. <clears throat> that was their last win before today. Yeah. That was their last win. Exactly uh, one month prior to the game, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I could, I could predict four points out of this. I'll be optimistic. I think that's the most points I've predicted in weeks. If, if Bush doesn't play, I think we will beat the Islanders for sure. Because <laughs> that's how we beat them last time. It is how we beat them last time. Possibly get Tyson Berry back by then. I'd like to beat the Rangers because I can't stand them, but you know you can't win them all, really. 
I will lose that one three two with a Nick Holden hat trick. Yeah. Nick Holden overtime goal. And uh, all those uh, non-overtime goals will be scored with power play. So whatever happens next week, you know you can find out here. And because I can't get this dog to stop chirping at me, I'm gonna not go through my whole spiel. We will see you guys next week. Hey, warning, if you have dogs in the room, stop the podcast for right now. <laughs> oh, man. That dog is worried about this team. He's... <laughs> My wife thought it would be a great idea to go to her mom's and watch a movie and take a dog with her. Now, uh, this dog is very upset that another one's missing and he didn't get to go. Oh, <laughs> that's cruel. That is awfully perceptive. Dude, bet. Hey. He's predicting losses. Hush. I know she's leaving Not with another dog. I know you're upset, but it's okay. All right, we're gonna we're gonna back up some more. Back, back. It's okay. Hey, you're shaking. It's okay. This episode gets the heavy editing. No shit, dude. I've got markers all over the place. This is a bad one. <laughs> Oh, I I can't record this until you shut up. <laughs> okay, you're going back out of the room. I'm going to open the door again in probably five minutes, so don't worry. Okay, we're going to back out to all the way to the beginning of the week. Beginning of the episode? Right, beginning of the episode. <laughs> On Tuesday, the uh, Metro, oh my god. <laughs> he hates Tuesday. 